0: Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbin. And so that's why we're talking about um, who we are. There are three questions last week I mentioned that we needed to ask ourselves. We needed to ask, what is our purpose? Why were we created? God created us, and He doesn't create it, anything without purpose. What is our Look purpose? Look at the person
1: next to you and say, do you know why you're why here? I'm Just I'm They don't have to answer it right now, but ask the question, all right?
0: What will I do with why I'm here? And then how will I do that? Okay, these are very practical and I think it helps us a lot. Uh, that can be boiled down or simplified to three simple words. Purpose, vision, and mission. Purpose is why I'm here. Our vision is what I'm going to do with what I'm here for. And then the mission is how I'm going to accomplish the purpose God has placed in me. All right, we talked about those three things last week. And so let's take it just a little bit further. We believe that the purpose, not only as us as individuals, but as a congregation, is very simple. It's two words, encounter and transformation. Transformation that we need to encounter God, his purpose for us, that we might have a relationship with him, that's encounter, and that we might be conformed to his image. Hallelujah. That is an ongoing process that doesn't happen all at once. It's a, I'm gonna tell you, my precious, precious new daughter in Christ, you're out here on the front row. I love that, that's awesome! This is my sister I told you about last week that gave her heart to the Lord. I'm not. I may be embarrassed. I, she said I could. She's right here on the front row. Whoop. You go, girl! You go. <laughs> You're discovering your purpose, that you're having an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he's beginning to transform the way you think. He's renewing your mind by the word. Hallelujah. So you're no longer conformed to your old way of thinking. You're conformed to his way of thinking. We're going to talk about that today. The second part of our purpose, then, is our vision. Okay, so what do we do with our purpose? If we're supposed to have an encounter with God and be transformed by him, we need to share that. So, our vision here at New Hope is to love loving God and people. It is summed up in the the greatest commandment. (laughs) When the Pharisees were trying to trick Jesus, they said, What's the greatest commandment? He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. They're the same loving God, loving people. And so, that is our vision here. So, we know why to encounter God, to be transformed by His power, by the Spirit of God, every day of our life. And then we're to share that. We're to love God, continue to have that ongoing relationship and that love encounter and that love and fair with Jesus Christ. And then we're to love people the same way that God loves us and let them know how much He loves them, instilling God's value in their life. And then the mission is very simple. It's, okay, how are we going to do that? Well, we've made it, I think we've made it simple. It's a lot of words, but it's easy to remember m-i-s-s-i-o-n it's how we execute the vision all right how we make the vision happen how we love god how we love people all right m is meet people where they are pastor talked about that a couple weeks ago and again i told you if you can't write fast enough take a picture all right that helps i go back and look at my notes all the time uh if you try to take notes while he's talking that's a challenge. All right? Uh, We meet people where they are because everybody matters to God. The second part is to instill God's value in every life. That's what we talked about last week. That God so loved us that he gave everything. And instilling God's value in every life lets them know they have a purpose in this life. They have a destiny that's been God-ordained before they were born.
1: That's critical because in the Garden of Eden, what happened was mankind didn't leave the Garden without a purpose. They left the garden without a relationship with the purpose Amen. giver. They had a purpose. It was cursed. And he, God would speak and say, now, here's what you're going to do, but cursed are you. It's just like, okay, wait, that's not good. But oh, we, when we instill God's value, that is not just telling them, here are a bullet point list of things that God thinks about you. We do tell them that. But the end game Is not for there to be written on our own consciousness just that I can, I can, I think I can. The purpose of that is to introduce them to a relationship, which, by the way, how did God carry out this mission? Meet people where they are. Jesus came and took on flesh and met us. And John says tabernacle became a tent of presence among us. And then this instilling God's value in every life. He lived it.
0: I love how the New Message Bible says <clears throat> that...
1: Um, moved into the neighborhood.
0: He, yeah, it says that Jesus moved into the, God moved into the neighborhood. That's what we are. We're Jesus in the flesh to people. We have to move into the neighborhood. It's not getting them here to this building. It's moving into the neighborhood, interacting, meeting their needs, checking on them, caring about them, loving them. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the, the first is stimulate growth and change. We're going to meet people where they are, but we don't want them to stay there because God is all about transformation. Uh, pastor's going to talk about that, or together we will. The next four are sort of the growth point after uh, stimulate, secure the promise of God's word, then it's stimulate growth and change. Excuse me. Um, we're going to secure God's word because we can't change without the spirit of God helping us. You know, then it becomes miserable. It becomes legalistic. We become hirelings instead of sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. And when we grab the Word of God and we hide it in our heart, we, we become empowered by the Spirit to, to secure the promise of God's Word and walk in it. That's why we stimulate growth and change, because we believe there's no past, no pain, no brokenness that can keep you from your purpose and destiny in Jesus Christ. The next three is integrate giftedness. God has given all of us gifts and passions, and we believe God can still use me. Aren't you glad to know God can use you? The, la- the next one is overcome through prayer and praise. We believe that as we worship, as we praise, as we- in our prayer time, that God still shows up. Hallelujah. I love that God shows up in power and might or a still small Amen. voice. It doesn't matter how he shows up. I just love he shows up. And then the last one is network and relationship. That's all about community because we need each other. So we're excited to share this because we believe there's some practical things that each of us can take away. We can continue to grow, we can continue to learn as we uh, understand our purpose, uh, as we just know what the vision is over this house of faith and then how we're gonna make that happen in people's lives.
1: Leave that up on the screen if you would, Amanda, please. If you'll notice, um, (laughs) next week we'll be talking about stimulating growth and change, but I wanna make this emphatic statement that unless you do number three, there is no number four. If you do not secure the promise of God's Word, and I'm going to tell you in simplicity what I mean by that, securing the promise of God's Word doesn't mean that I've memorized 273 critical verses that outline substantive doctrine. That would be great if you do. I mean, you just can't lose there. But what that means is that I have committed myself to the centrality of the Word of God above any other force or opinion. That the word of God is God's expressed opinion, not only toward mankind, but toward me. It discloses his intentions toward me. We've learned here that confession, that word confession is the point at which I embrace God's opinion of me above any opinion of me. What words have been spoken over you? You'll see that words form us and shape us. James says that words set on fire a course of life. Most of you here and most of you many for New Hope family watching online have heard my testimony. I share it openly and everywhere I go regarding uh, being an adult child of molestation at the hands of a Cub Scout leader. Not so far as I'll go because we have some little people in the, in the room with us. But the words that he spoke and said to me, don't tell anybody you're not normal. If you tell your parents, they'll put you in a mental institution. Those words set on fire a course of life. It set on fire that I had to run faster, jump higher, be better. I had to constantly prove, or not so much my parents would put me in a mental institution, but people would ship me away relationally. And mars- In other words, You'd just be an inconsequential nothing. You really don't matter. And so don't you know, you gotta really you really gotta do because who you are is fundamentally flawed. Those were the words cast across my life. But can I tell you that I found other words that had been spoken over me concerning my future and my tomorrow. And they weren't spoken when I was eight years old. They were spoken before the foundation of the world. They were blessings spoken in the heavenly places by God Himself, activated by the Holy Spirit. Read Ephesians chapter 1, 3 and 4. I found words, hallelujah, that would trump any words that are ever spoken. Am I committed to the Word of God? I am passionately so. There's nothing that electrifies me and moves me like the Word of God. That's just a personal testimony because I know those words are sure and certain. They are without motive. I have said to many pastors that if you can ever determine why the God, if the God we worship benefits from our worship, then we need to be suspicious as to why He demands it. But beloved, the primary purpose of worship is worth-ship, worth-shaping, to shape my worth. And God said, I am that I am, which means God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need my song, my stuff, my money, my best actions. God doesn't need. When I come to worship Him, it's about shaping who I am, and I can rest confident that this is not a voice that is seeking to manipulate me, molest me, or take advantage of me. As a matter of fact, in second. I can... 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, I'm all about tearing down every stronghold and fortress that's raised up against the knowledge of God. Why? Because the hiss and whisper of the serpent in every human life causes us to start building walls to defend us against the God who would rescue us and manifest Himself through us. And he said the purpose of salvation is whatever those fortresses are that have been erected by experiences, by being abandoned, abused, molested, Taken advantage of or having horrible words spoken over your life God said before anybody else spoke I spoke first before anybody else had a word on you I spoke concerning you and in Revelation chapter 3 when he speaks to the Philadelphia church he says I am the true the faithful witness and I want to let you know if anybody's talking about you I have something to say about that I have the final word just go ahead and give the Lord praise right there That's why we secure the promise of God's Word. Because about by 10.30 tomorrow morning, you're going to have another voice whispering. Before you get through Monday, there's going to be another voice. This whispering telling you what you are not. But only when you can look in the face of whatever that voice or thing may be to say it's too late. I've already secured the promise of the word that was spoken before this Monday ever got here and before you ever move your lips because before the foundation of the world, God has spoken to me and blessed me in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus by way of activation through the Holy Spirit. That's why we secure the promise of God's word. Now, when I teach about the word of God, i got a thousand places we can go. And you'll be delighted to know I have 16 pages of notes. How many are thrilled for that this morning? Nobody, okay. I've whittled it down, and I'm going to find some way, because there's a teaching from Mark 4 to me that is critical. It's one of the earliest parables. It may have been the first one, that's to, to debate. But one of the very earliest parables that Jesus ever spoke was on the seed and the sower. It starts in Mark chapter 4, verse 1, and goes all the way through verse 25. I would encourage you to read that when you go home. Mark 4. Uh, verses 1 through 25, as always, if you would like outlines, it's got a good outline on that. Uh, if you would send an email to uh, Tom at New Hope Online, any variation of Tom, Pastor Tom, Tom Sturbin's anything, at New Hope Online, it will get to me, and I will send you that outline. But throughout that, <clears throat> throughout that discourse, Jesus said, I want to tell you about the seed and the sower, but he tells him at the end, the seed is the word of God. The sower was sowing the word of God. And he says there's four types of soil. You are the soil, and there's four types of soil it will fall on. That's, and it, the, there's some little W words here that come right out of the scripture. Wayside, that is a seed fell by the side, uh, side and, and it came to nothing. Uh, wayside uh, withered, it falls on shallow soil, and it springs up and dies because it doesn't have any root. And then the third one is it falls among weeds, so you have... Here we go. It falls wayside where that seed is snatched away before it can even take root. uh, Withered, shallow soil springs up and withers. And then it falls amongst weeds, is the third one, where the weeds grow. And it's just fun. I normally do a four-week series on this. What does it mean falling on the wayside? And, And it's just exposed because there's apathy with regard to how we treat and care for the Word of God. And see, there are people who, believers... That really say, okay, you know, I mean, good people that love God and you're born again, but in terms of the full promise of the Word of God, just seems to be right about the time you're hoping it's bare fruit, it's not there. And it's not there because we're not tending to it. We're not cultivating it. We're not making sure it's found a good cultivated soil in my soul. Then withered is shallow, then amongst the weeds. And then finally it says, but there's those who received it. Everybody say received. Okay, say it again, received. That's accepted, and the word there is welcome. So watch these four ways we can receive the word of God. That it's by the wayside, It just we don't really, we're not careful with it, withered, Uh, It falls on shallow soil, springs up, and doesn't bear any fruit. Or it's sown among the weeds of busyness. Jesus would say, I'm talking about the cares of life. You're so busy with everything else, you're not cultivating and paying attention to the thing that will profit you the most. It says 30, 60, 100-fold in this life. That you will become amazingly fruitful and whole people. Why? Because we secure the promise of God's Word with intentionality. That's a condensed version of Mark chapter 4. I've made decisions about where we'll focus on, on this today. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, Amanda, if I could have that verse up there, please. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, there's a statement there that tells us about the power of the Word of God. And Again, this is a, a familiar one and, um, and, a, and a, just a fascinating one to me. I don't know that I can disentangle that from all the other stuffs up there. There it is, okay. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit. How many are so glad that the Word of God has the power to separate out from us matters of our soul, emotion, and matters of the spirit? And say, you're dealing with soul and emotion and history issues here. Now let me give you an answer by the spirit to that soul issue you're dealing with. How many know in our life things are all interwoven and intertangled? We have been hurt, done wrong, abused. We've failed, made our own mistakes. There's some of us that have looked God in the face. God's Word said, don't do that. You say, sorry, I'm going to do it anyways. And we've messed up. Well, the Word of God is always waiting around the corner that says, I can help. Pull that apart and separate that. The word of God does surgery on my soul to to, to disentangle the complexities of life that find me and say, here is your next step. I love that. It says, but uh, division of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Two words I want to focus on here that you've heard in the past. It's been a while. I normally have some, what's the stuff that Christina makes? Slime. (laughs) I normally have some slime to throw on the people in the front row. The only thing worse than Brenda calling you out multiple times and not giving you a secure place to hide, which will happen at any moment, I'll warn you, so don't sit on the front row, would be me having a handful of green slime and saying, here, I have something throwing at you. Why do I use slime? The word living there, I believe, uh, and I believe I can defend this linguistically, is best understood as lifing. Everybody say lifing. Why do we wear masks and why are we social distanced right now? Because we don't want to life each other. What do you mean? It's contagious. It's an infectious virus. It's lifing. It has the power of transmissibility. And so we've got all this social distancing put in place so that we don't share the wonder of that life of a virus with one another. The good news is the Word of God is lifing. The Word of God is a virus. The best word I know to describe it is the word pluripotent. I love it when I, uh, when I, when I was looking for this and was directed to that. Pluripotent is, describes a cell that has the possibility to replicate itself autonomously. When you're hearing, for instance, in stem cell research and other things like that, that they are able to grow human tissue brain, kidney, lip, just different, that really can happen. And you go, really? Yeah, I mean, it's really sort of older science now. It's not even new. They haven't, certainly haven't perfected it, uh, but it can happen. Here's, the Word of God is pluripotent. It has the power to get on us and recreate us, it, recreate itself in us. It's lifing and then energizing, activating, moving forward. The Word of God is that. So, Today, the Word of God will get on you. Today, the Word of God before you leave, and God's Word says it won't return void. Now, you can reject it, but the Word of God gets on us, and it starts messing with us. And again, through the years, I've made the joke that um, you've seen sci-fi movies where a person comes back from outer space, an astronaut, and they fought off aliens, and a few of them survive, and they land, and they're... Uh, they're, they're their suits or whatever are, are sort of damaged, you know, because they've, they've been fighting with aliens, and they get off. And, and one guy has asked, well, how are you? He says, well, it was tough, but we survived. And then the low driving music, dun, 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 And the camera zooms in on a little point of green glob right there. That's the blood of one of the aliens. And while they're saying, hey, everything's fine, they begin to walk away, the camera follows it, and the little glob begins moving. And it's moving, and it's moving. And it gets in their ear. And goes in their ear. And then within the first, the next 15 minutes of the sci-fi flick, this human astronaut has become ah, a new creature. Did you know that's the language that the Apostle Paul uses? The good news is you are a new creature. And I love this. I pray every week. For you, when you come here and the word of God is given, the songs of praise are sung. God's presence is here. The Holy Spirit in his transforming power. I'm going to get to that in a moment. It is my prayer that you'll be riding home and you'll look over at your spouse who may have driven to this building grumpy, nasty, and maybe a historically consistent attitude, but on the way home because the green slime has gotten on you, the word of God, and it's crawled into your ear according to Mark chapter four, and it begins to do the work of transformation, and on the way home, that sorry attitude you had coming, and your spouse says something, and all of a sudden it's like, well, yes, praise God, and you look at them and go, ah! Because there's a new creature. There's an alien sitting there, not the one you rode to church with, one that's different. How many want, I was gonna say, how many hope they go home with an alien, but too many of you would raise your hand, so I'm not gonna do that, and then I would have more counseling than I need. Okay, um, so you get that Second uh, Timothy chapter three. You're going to be grateful that I, I didn't pick up those notes, man. They're good, good stuff. Second Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen. It says, "For the word of God is inspired and is good for teaching, reproof, correction, uh, and training in righteousness." I think it says uh, there. It is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction. Training in righteousness, and the end of it says that the man of God or woman of God may be complete. The Word of God has the power to make us complete. Praise God. How many are thankful for that? Say amen. 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 Now, I want you to get this here. That when it says the Word of God is God-breathed, several weeks ago I talked about this. We've been together for 18 years. This is a favorite verse of Scripture because the Word of God being God-breathed, and you've seen me do this illustration that there's times that I do this. I literally do this. I keep a paper Bible. I work off that computer almost exclusively. It's where all my library is. I think I have about 4,000 books on it now. Uh, that just It's exclusively done there, but I keep one of these around. I keep one of these around because I just like to read it, and I like to smell it. Because the Word of God is God breathed. When you first get the notion of God breathing poetically, it originates in the Garden of Eden when He breathed and mankind became an animated or living being. That which was inanimate suddenly took on life. One of the other conspicuous places we read of God breathing is in John chapter 20. On the night that Jesus was resurrected, He had been crucified, now He's back from the dead. He comes into a room that has all the windows and the doors locked. And suddenly he appears amongst them, they're all scared, and he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. The act of God breathing. As you go through the Old Testament and you look at the Hebrew word for spirit, ruach, it means to breath or be breathed upon. I believe when that word is used in Genesis chapter 3 when it says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool, it's ruach, it's spirit time. He heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at spirit time time here's what i believe i believe in the garden of eden before the only perfect place of worship was disrupted that on a daily and regular basis that adam and eve would have visits with the father the son and the holy spirit and every day it says they heard that wind blowing breathing presence of god and they would walk out for god to breathe on them one more time for them to be transformed yet again and again and again listen to this You may well say, when God created Adam and Eve, he had done a perfect work. They were perfect. How many would say that? I would. You can say amen. But how many know just because they were perfect in terms of their sort of, I don't know a better way to say it, existential state? That didn't mean that God had exhausted all that He could be to them. Beloved, that's the good news. I don't care how good it may be or what God's done or how wonderful it may be. God will never exhaust the goodness of God. That eternal God will come on, breathe on you once again. And you know what I like about that? I love when it said that God breathed the breath of God in that garden. That if you are faithful to a biblical timeline as being a literalist, and I'm not, but I like playing with it anyways... That it's 1,450,278 days from the last day of the Garden of Eden until the day of Acts chapter 2, the upper room. The language is similar. In Genesis chapter 3, it says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool, at spirit time, at the time that the breeze breeze blew and God breathed. There's very similar language in Acts chapter 2, because let me just have fun sort of in and animating or humanizing the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because I can rest assured this conversation never happened, but I have fun pretending it did. That the first day after the last day in the Garden of Eden, when they had come and walked with them every day, I believe the Spirit of God looks to the Father and says, can I go back and walk with them? He goes, no, not yet, but it's coming. And day two after the last day of the Garden of Eden... Can I go back and walk with them now and breathe into them and on them? Not yet, but it's coming. And every day, two, three, four, a hundred thousand, million For 1,450,278 days, but on 1,450,000 day 277, I believe something began to rumble. And when the dawn of 1,450,278 day came, and the Spirit looked at the Father and said, can I go back today? And he says, yes, the day has fully come. And I believe the Holy Spirit showed up in the room, because some translations translate Genesis 3 as a gentle breeze which I think misses the mark by a mile, but let's go ahead and give that up. I believe the Holy Spirit shows up in the upper room and says, I've been canning up a gentle breeze for 1,450,278 days, and if you read Scripture, it says when the Holy Spirit came, he pops that open, and a gentle breeze became a mighty rushing wind. How many want to be encountered by that mighty rushing wind? That is the God that we serve. John tells us that the Word is the Word of truth. He tells us that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. Mark chapter 4 says, If we receive the Word of God, that is the God breathed Word of God. If we receive the Word of God, God will breathe on it. If I can tell you one thing to take away, and you're about to be absolutely amazed in a stellar sense, because I'm finished. Don't clap. I'm sure you'll go to hell if you do that. Amanda, that one quote I said I wanted to wear out today, can you stick that up there, please? I want to give you a premise I think I can stand on and defend explicitly, and that is the Holy Spirit. You got that for me? The Holy Spirit only breathes on the Word of God we receive. Yeah, I, I get it. It rhymes. I want you to say it with me, whether it's on the screen or not. The Holy Spirit only breathes on the word of God we receive. Would you read that and say it loudly? The Holy Spirit only breathes on the word of God we receive. That is critical. Because, see, I, I, I grew up in classical Pentecostalism, and great, I love that. I'm not sorry for that. But it was much of it was experiential, and they say, I just want another touch from God. I just want another touch from God. I want another touch from God. But very often, not exclusively, but very often, you would not find a disciplined embracing of the Word of God walking out and implementing because they believe somehow they could leap over the requisite of encountering the Word of God and just have that Holy Spirit encounter. What happens is we typically, when you walk like that, you come to church services and you have those moments and you're standing on the edge of God's attenuating presence and you sense it and you are touched by it. But, beloved, can I tell you, the only thing that will sustain you over time is as you come to the Word of God and that glob gets on you. God breathes on you, animates that, activates that, and brings it to truth and fruitfulness in our life. The end of that parable, Jesus would say, those of you who have ears to hear, hear this. Two verses later, he says, Him who has will even more be given him who has not, Even what he has will be taken away. Anybody want to know what he's talking about? Him who has what? Who can fill in that blank? Two verses earlier. Him who has what? Hearing. Turn your mic on so they can hear you. Him who has ears.
0: Ears. Him
1: who has ears even more. What do you mean? I'm choosing to listen. Father, I'm choosing to, from my side of the intentionality, I want to engage your word. I want to receive it for all it can be, above and beyond. Here I am. I'm going to, Father, I'm going to know it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to be in it. Listen. Every day, every day, every day. You need, we need to be encountering the Word of God. You say, well, I don't know that I understand it. That's the good news, okay? Because the Word received is the Spirit breathed. The Spirit breathes on that. And the good news is this, is the Spirit will animate that beyond mental comprehension. Did you know that's what happened in Acts chapter 2? People were gifted and empowered beyond their historical behavior. The Apostle Peter being the most noteworthy of the bunch. This is a guy who always ran his mouth, always stuck his foot in his mouth, always got in trouble for running his mouth. But then at that day, hallelujah, on that moment, in that day, in that upper room, the Holy Spirit falls on him. And what has previously been just an obstruction in his own life, that is his mouth... God says, I'm going to anoint that, gift that, and set it aside. And he steps up, and for the first time, on the balcony of that upper room, he preaches and 3,000 people are saved. He steps up and he begins to speak the Word of God. And said, God says, you may have messed up before, but I'm going to bless my Word in you and through you. Do you know God still does that in you and in me? Now, we're getting ready for next week, which is to stimulate growth and change. How does that work together? It comes right from securing the Word of God. Did you know the Holy Spirit still does what he did in the beginning? He hasn't changed. If you read Genesis, you'll find out that the Father spoke and the Holy Spirit acted. We have to get this. The Holy Spirit is the animator. God spoke and the Holy Spirit formed. In Genesis 1-2, it says the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the deep. It was formless and nothing. And then God spoke, but that Holy Spirit who was there waiting for the Word of God to be spoken by the Father. The Father speaks it, and the Holy Spirit animates it. The psalm says that. Lord, by the breath of your mouth, the world was formed. Not the words. The words did it. I get that. I'm not, I'm not removing that. But it says there was something there with the words was the breath. That's Ruach, the Spirit of God, activating that. Can I tell you this? What God formed, the Holy Spirit formed, The devil deformed and whispering. The Son of God on the cross reformed. And the Holy Spirit's back according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that said, I'm here to fulfill what was spoken of by the prophet. That you once had words written on tablets of stone. Those are gone because right now I've come to transform again. I'm going to pick up right where I left off. And I do that by writing the Word of God on your heart. That is my primary agency. If you want to stimulate growth and change... You have to secure the promise of God's word because the Holy Spirit does not breathe on word you have not received. Anybody get that? I'm going to give you another chance because if you say amen real loud, first of all, you needed to appropriate that. And secondly, if you say amen real loud, I'll stop, okay? So... We need to understand that securing the promise of God's Word is essential and essential prerequisite to stimulating growth and change in the life of believer because the Holy Spirit does not breathe on the Word of God we have not received. Okay, there we go. I know. that. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> Baby, did you felt like that maybe they said amen real loud, not because of what I preached, but because I told them i quit?
0: Great word.
1: Okay, come on. Stand up.
0: Hallelujah.
1: We covered a lot of ground today. Mm -mm -mm. I did good. I'm just referring to time. Forget the substance. I mean, we got out of here before 1 o'clock.
0: Woo! Can you say that one part again? What God formed, the enemy deformed.
1: What God formed, sin deformed. Jesus Christ through the cross, reformed. And the Holy Spirit comes back and transforms. See, the Holy Spirit is transforming what was formed, God's original intentionality. And he says that in 2 Corinthians, I love this. It said, you're being transformed from image to image to image. Get this, two of the three times that the word mirror is used in the Bible, one is in James, and it says, stand before the mirror of God's Word. Check that out. The other time, the most significant is in 2 Corinthians 3. It says, we stand before the mirror, the image of God's glory. So when I stand in front of the Word of God... I stand also in front of the mirror, oh, just hold that up, and, and you may stand in front of the, there's a mirror going out of the, the door to our bedroom, and we sort of make sure that everything's button-zipped and in place, and so I walk by and look at that, and I gotta tell you, I'm not always real thrilled about what I see in the mirror. But I can tell you as I come to the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, James says it's the Word, Second Corinthians says it's the Spirit, tag teamed up with that. I might look into that and say, if I just look at the strictures and the, and the stringent statements of the Word of God and look at myself comparatively, I say... There's just a miserable failure. But then the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. says, let, let me help a brother out. Let me get involved in this right now. Because as you stand in front of that mirror and you allow me to reflect back yeah. the potential. By the way, know something I discovered early this morning. Check this out. Uh, what it says, the Word of God is God-breathed. And it's good for teaching, reproof. Everybody say reproof.
0: Reproof.
1: I'm just going to throw this out here. You won't remember it. It's the same word translated conviction. Conviction. Everybody say Conviction. Last year, I'll try to find the link, if you want it, email me, I'll find the link to the sermon where we talked about the difference between conviction and condemnation. And it is this statement, conviction has to do with the possibilities that are still unseen, condemnation has to do with where I've been in my failures condemnation has to do with the weakness of my flesh conviction has to do with being empowered by the holy spirit the holy spirit is an agent of conviction john chapter 16 says which means he's all about revealing to me the hidden potential that's there you see if i stand in front of that word and i just look at the letter of the law read second corinthians 3 i'm going to say oh what a miserable failure because i can only look at the letter of the law and through the eyes of condemnation i see failures and shortcomings but then comes the holy spirit he says let me step in and shift your eyes just a little bit you're looking back where you came from let me get involved in this reflection and to reflect back to you the opinion the glory the power of god and show you what you can't be or can be that you can't see yet he said listen faith is the substance of things hoped for the conviction of things i can't see keep your eyes open father i pray for every person here and just seized upon this moment. That they're standing this morning in condemnation by reason of a failure. It's one that's been there for some time. And they keep looking back. Through the mirror of that failure. Holy Spirit, I pray you would step in between. Animate the word of God. And saying your identity is not wrapped up in condemnation but is projected in conviction. It's not forever fixed on where you failed or where you've messed up in the flesh, but it's powered by life in the Spirit, an unseen reality of your existence that you have not laid eyes on yet. Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you're standing in that in-between place of reflection, and unfortunately more of it is empowered by whispers of the past, others' things of others have done, failures, whatever it may be. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to identify you. I just want you to lift up your hand as if you're receiving something from Father right now. If you're one of those, just lift up your hand. Father, reach back to them right now. In the name of the living God, reach back to them right now. They are not identified by condemnation, but they are drawn forward by conviction. They are not identified by what they have done and they can see. But They are identified by the Holy Spirit, through what by what they, he, we cannot yet see that lies in us that you can see. Reflect those possibilities back to us in the mirror of God. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Put your hands down. Everybody, open your eyes. Anthony, you're standing in my line of sight, so I'll pick on you. I saw him at the gym this week. And I hate these young guys. You know, up. I walk in front of the mirror, and I'm thinking, 40 pounds, 40 pounds, 40 pounds. I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit anoints that mirror by a bedroom. Next time I go walking by, bite it. (laughs) How many here want to have a wow moment? Come on. Want to have a wow moment? Father, I pray that you would reflect back to us how you see us and what we can be. We'll confess that failure. We confess it. But once we confess it, we don't live there. I pray as we secure the promise of God's word that you would begin that work of transformation, stimulating growth and change. I love you. I praise you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
0: Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.